from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's Tiny House Podcast. Good morning, this is Perry. Good morning, this is Michelle. This is Mark. What's so funny? I don't know. Okay. Funny. <laughs> and today we have another unknown episode because we don't know what the hell we're doing this morning. <laughs> Do we ever? That's yes, exactly right. Uh, we also have to announce that we're in our new studio. This is our first time being in our new studio, tiny house studio. It's about as half as big as a real tiny house. Um, How many square feet is this, Mark? Oh gosh, I'll do the math while you guys keep going. Cubic there three, there four, is literally six, like an inch of clearance between the studio table and the door, yeah. like oh, the, the traveling door. It's it's crazy. It's about eight feet by nine. Ten? Ten by eight. Ten? Yeah. ten? So ten 80 square foot. So like half of a tiny We're house. very cozy. It's half a tiny house. <laughs> yes, and there's cozy. three people in here. Anyway, um, is Kim still with us? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. No. Hi, guys. Hi. We have, we have our guest today is Kim Castle. Kim Castle has an interesting last name spelling, K-A-S-L. That must be um, Czechoslovakian. Just kidding. Uh, Kim, Kim is uh, passionate about homeschooling, lives in a tiny house with, uh, there's a dispute here. Is, it's, is, it, is it, how many kids was it's it? I think it's two four. young children. Two young children? Okay. <laughs> I thought, it's a family family of four. Family, so, family of four. Yeah, we, we total out at four. Okay. Okay, so family of four in a tiny house of 267 square feet, uh, and she lives in Minnesota. I can't say that. Yes. Can you say that? Minnesota. Minnesota. I can't do it. Minnesota? Yeah. And so, uh, welcome, uh, Kim. We're going to have a, lot, a good conversation you. with you today. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're and welcome. We should mention that Kim is sitting in a car outside of the Y. <laughs> um, and, and she started warm, but in 45 minutes you'll hear her teeth Steam. chattering. Exactly. <laughs> she has to run around the car to heat up, so exactly. but that's okay. Yeah. All which is, you do for a tiny house. Yeah, which is ironic because the last show we did last week, what, the guy was in a car too. That's right. Yeah, interesting. On the move. On the, everyone's on the road. Yep. Although this is not Garrison Keillor. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kim, for taking time out of your busy day and, and making the arrangements for your children to... Uh, to uh, so that you could be here this morning. So, uh, so what's up? Yeah. Uh, what's up? I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to know? I want to. I want to know how how you ended up in a tiny house with a family of four, and where the heck do you put the children? Oh, sure, I can tell you that. Okay. Um, <laughs> where the heck do you put the kids? Okay. Right. You want to start with that part? Yeah. How so we got that. there? Sure. Um. Well, how we got there? Um. Ryan and I, we've been married for almost ten years, so we were like dating in high school and college together and everything like that. But, and we've experienced a multitude of dwellings, all kinds of dwellings. But the most recent before moving into the tiny house, we had a two, uh, almost 2,000-square-foot house that we owned and lived in, in right in town. And we were, I guess, we were really happy there. My husband was still going to school, so grad school and he was a special ed teacher and moving toward administration and everything. And I was a wedding wedding photographer, and I did that for seven years. It was awesome. But when the kids were in preschool age, we started discussing like their education and what we wanted for their val what our values we really wanted to instill in them. And um, we started thinking about homeschooling and how uh, we were going to manage that with two jobs and and 
what it looked like if I stopped shooting weddings and homeschooled with them and adventured and everything. So one day I called, you know, the student loans were kind of the looming thing that we never talked about because you have to pay them no matter what you're going to add. They're going to rack up. You know, you have really no control. They just kind of happen to you once. And so why talk about it <laughs> um, is how we felt. So I made the phone call to the, you know, the student loan people and said, if Ryan, my husband, if he like stopped going to school today, knowing we had two years left um, before he was finished, if he stopped today and you said the first bill, what would it be? And it was way more than our mortgage bill. Wow. It was astronomical. So um, it was $1,400 a month. <gasps> and we were like, Whoa, what? how are we going to do that? That's whoa, whoa, impossible. Whoa, whoa. Back that's up, crazy back right now. How many so, loans is that? Is that one or two? Well, that's just his grad school. <gasps> his his regular, like, college, his parents helped him out with his college uh, BA degree or whatever that is. Um, um, and I was finishing paying off my uh, Bachelor of Arts degree, so mine's <gasps> about done But <sighs> at the time. And now we were just adding up his – and he was just going to the University of Minnesota um, – education, I don't know, degrees, masters, and all that good stuff. So, um, so we thought, well, you know, average person would take on another job or some kind of more income in preparation for that, that looming to bill that was going to happen in two years. So, but we did the opposite and I quit my job of shooting weddings, which was really hard to do because I loved it, but um, Plus they move it around didn't more. add up. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's hard to shoot a wedding because it moves around a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're you're very accurate. <laughs> we have a knack. For, we have a so, knack for interrupting. Yeah, so people. we kind of. I'm sorry. We have a knack for interrupting people's train of thought. So excuse no, us. No, no, no. That's cool. I feel a little like I'm I'm talking a lot. I feel weird. Well, you're the guest. Anyway, so. you, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose I have to. Okay. <laughs> so. and change our lives around and the only we, we have to pay the student loans so the mortgage was more flexible we decided to drop the mortgage and go for the tiny house and that's really a nutshell version we kind of took some time to get to the whole tiny house vision and how you know god kind of started um turning our hearts toward minimalism and you know god really led the way to the tiny house for us we were just like oh for sure tiny house that's the answer <laughs> like it, it just it took time to kind of reach that point but once we got there, now that we're living in it, end result, we are way more free with our finances. We have more choice. We um, we are more in control of that rather than it controlling what we do with our lives. And yeah, so with the kids, who our emphasis is our emphasis is adventure and experience, and and living a life that like whatever you're passionate about is what you seek. So very cool. Yeah. So you didn't answer the question, and it's okay about where to put the kids. I want to ask you a yeah. follow up question. And that is, oh, sure. you're, you're actually, you actually skipped over what I would think our listeners would really want to hear, which is, oh. what is, what was the process that you, what you and your husband Ryan went through to go from 2,000 square feet into <laughs> a 260-something square foot house? I mean, there had to be some sort of a, uh, you know, list of options or consideration or something in addition to God telling you that this is where you needed to go. Oh, sure. Well, I guess... You know, we kind of did skip some of those things where I've realized now that I'm in the house, people are Googling tiny house family. Can you fit a family in a tiny house? How do you do it? And I honest to goodness never, ever Googled that because I just, it was obvious. Like if we wouldn't be able to um, 
reach our goals and have less debt, a small house makes sense. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And we, we're really like, like we had no doubt or fear. We were just like, yeah, we were like, High five. That's how we decided we were going to live in a tiny house. It's a high five. Um, <laughs> um, for real. <laughs> we were real excited about it, and I needed to know, like, can I go ahead and for real research this and move forward? Because, like, if you and I, Ryan and I, if we say yes, we're moving forward, like, I'm going to plow through, and we're going to do it. So you need to give me the real go-ahead. So we high-fived and <laughs> move forward on that. And so I guess, like, the how-to with downsizing was that we had a we had a ton of stuff and it was just an accumulation of years and moving and kids and grandparents that love their kids so much that, that all they can think of is gifting them more and more ever, everything they don't need, you know? Um, so, um, so we just had tons of stuff. We filled our house to the max. And so, um, it, getting rid of stuff at first could be, it was sort of challenging at first, but as we saw, it, it was really about, freedom and getting the more stuff you got rid of the more excited we got and the more empty shelves as shelves emptied and closets empty it was like celebration we were so excited so we I put box in each room at the top of the closet there's a box whatever if it was a Costco box or whatever and as my daily life of cleaning anything we were anything I saw that didn't make sense or I wasn't using it or it hadn't been used in a while or I just plain didn't want to put it away I threw it in the box and everything that was in the box went out to the back of the truck and got dropped off at the thrift store and I never looked in the box after I put something in the box I never ever looked in it again because if I did I'd start pulling things out and be like wait a minute what if I need that and that was not allowed so I just you know, closed my eyes and walked with the box out to the truck and tossed it in the back. And same thing at the thrift store. I'd be like, oh, look what I have. I'm bringing it to the thrift store. But I just got rid of it as quick as I could without, you know, because the second thought is the worst. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and we just started putting things on the side of the road and and watching it all go. It was just, we just kept snowballing and it kept going. Okay, so real quick, I want you to breathe. <laughs> I talk fast. My, every time I do something like this, my mom's like, now talk slow. No, that was awesome. I like you talking fast. You went from like an auto-tune thing to a like super high-speed thing. <laughs> so my question is, so, we, you know, we have, um, you're in a large house, you're downsizing, you're thinking about going to a tiny house. Um, I also want to echo, and we're going to get to that, I'm sure, Perry, eventually. Yeah. So how did you go about selecting your builder? Did you build it yourself? Um, what was the process associated with what do you need? What would be considered luxury items that you did or did not keep? Um, and then the second part to my question is also what was your, what was your husband's reaction? Um, is there anything that you threw in the box and got rid of that was his that he wasn't too happy about? No. I th- there was something that he wanted. I can't remember. Oh, his T-shirts. He just wanted his T-shirts. Like, all these T-shirts from high school, all the plays and marching bands and all the crazy T-shirts. I don't know. I think they actually... I don't know. I kept trying to get him to get rid of them. He was like, I'll do that later. He didn't want to do that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how that actually ended. He probably has a couple of them stashed somewhere. Um, that was so many questions, Michelle. Okay, the, the builder, like how we decided? Yes. That? Let's start with that. Um, actually, we were on Tiny House Nation, so... But how, we didn't, like, pursue that as much as we were really about function. We thought, we're just going to build this ourselves. We, I was collecting things off Craigslist for free, the free section. I had amazing windows and stuff like that. And um, 
and we were more about like trying to figure out our timeline and all the materials and how were we going to start and learn all these things. And then um, Tumbleweed had this really awesome contest for a bumper, uh, bumper sticker slogan. And I love contests. I'm, I like a good competition. So I was really, really excited. It popped up, I think, as I was looking at the Tumbleweed website. It was it just appeared in this contest on their blog. And I was, started entering. And it was unlimited entries. And the winner won blueprints to wow. a tiny house. Cool. And so awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. I love your bumper sticker. So the bumper sticker was, yes. um, if you can read this, you're in my backyard. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I was really proud of that. So we were like, oh, my gosh, God just, like, gave us a house. We felt so amazing. We were celebrating. It was amazing. And then I was on tinyhouseblog.com. Is that what it is? And and they had a posting for the casting call for Tiny House Nation. And this was before I'd ever seen an episode. It didn't really tell you what the show was even going to be about. It was kind of vague and confusing, but we were like, we're doing that. That's going to be amazing. And, and I just move forward with that and we applied and um it was a long process but ultimately we got accepted and still we hadn't seen an episode yet so when they finally for the first episode out it was such a relief to know that we were actually getting into something that was good um and so we we um in the design of it they kind of help you design they take your vision and then they kind of take over and move forward with it and we we have a tumbleweed elm 24 our builder was my uncle Pat Matson, and so that was cool because we were in with the builder. So whatever the Tiny House Nation was doing, you know, Pat kind of knew our vision, and my mom was there too on the build site because they don't let you. We weren't allowed there, but my mom would would call me and be like, "Kim, did you say that you wanted this, this, and this?" <laughs> oh my gosh, Kim! <laughs> she like she like made sure everything was awesome. So that was a blessing. Um, same thing with like all the catwalk and stuff like that. Those, all those things kind of, you know, all ended up really perfect. So, um, that's our builder and how the tiny house came about. And nice. the blueprints. What else? What I, am I not covering? I, I forgot to tell the guys before we started the show. We were talking about you know who you are and what you what you've done and and I, ironically, I totally forgot to mention that to them. You are actually in season one. Um, and I think probably one of the, um, from, from the, from my perspective, anything, I think one of the most unique things about your house was the catwalk. Um, did, uh, how did that, I know you ended up doing some alterations to the house kind of after you moved in and started living. And I think you've moved it a couple of times too. So yep. can you yep. talk about the design? And this actually answers Perry's question. So about yep. where do you put the kids? So uh, yep. can you explain to our listeners how your children's bedroom and the catwalk and, and how that all came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Downstairs is like a kitchen, living area, um, bathroom. And then when you go up the stairs, you reach my loft, me and Ryan's loft. And then you kind of, kind of, you kind of work your way through our loft and you get to the catwalk and the catwalk travels you across the house to the other loft where the kid's room is. And so we really wanted a catwalk because I didn't, now the kids are older, it wouldn't be as big of an um, issue, but at the time, they were so young, and they come to our bed every night in the middle of the night, so they, I did not want them going down the stairs, down the, like, the, you know, they're not, like, regular stairs, they're tiny house stairs, down a set of stairs, and then back up a set of stairs in the middle of the night with me unaware, so that was the purpose in the catwalk, is that if they were going downstairs, if they needed something, that they were already going, they're working their way through our room, which was just a safety thing, you know, 
Well, speaking with, of safety thing, uh, what does this catwalk have a railing on it? Yes, everything's all, yeah. There's railings throughout the whole upper loft, and then we added even more to raise it up a little bit, um, more railing on top of the railing. Um, I can't really describe that very well. And but You could have put cowbells in the kids. You'd have heard them then, too. I know. That works, too. They, can you, they're sneaky, though. <laughs> can the kids walk upright on the catwalk, or do they have to crawl? They walk upright still, and they're hunched over. Of course, they can't walk completely straight up and down. Knuckle-draggers. Yeah, but, yeah, they... They, like, can just kind of duck down, and they can walk right through the catwalk. I can get about a step and a half, and then I collapse onto my knees. I cannot make it the whole way. Up I, right. I felt like this will be great exercise. I mean, it will be like lunges. But no, no, no. It's not, it's not working out. So, no, we we're just, we crawl across. Ryan and I can get through over there pretty easily, and we go over there often for bedtime routine stuff. So Interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And they each have half of the, the – they each have half of their loft, so they each have a window. And so Sullivan's all about decorating his side, and he's got stickers, and he hangs everything he loves on the wall, and and that's was really important. That I don't care about, you know, if they if the paint peels off and all that stuff. That doesn't matter to me. I just want them to really embrace their space, and if they feel that it's theirs and they have control over, you know, how they decorate it or just making it their own, then that's a huge element in in them feeling welcome, safe, and at home in their own space, right? So Sully does that, and his bed is made perfect, and everything is absolutely perfect, and stories is a heap. You can't find her bed, it's, but, it, like, they just embrace their own side. She's, she's got her toys and her bed and her dolls, and, and just every time I go up there, I have to rearrange it and, uh, so she can actually lay in bed. But, do, yeah, do that's, they, her, that's her personality and Sully's personality all in one loft. Are the kids separated by a barrier of some sort up there in our loft? No, that's not a barrier. They each have their... They have their space, and they are pretty um, focused on making sure you're not touching my side, and I'm not touching your side, and they have this line. It's not drawn, but it's pretty distinct in the carpet square things. Like, there's a line that's perfectly down the center, and they don't like when the other person touches the other person's side, and they've got their own space, and that's good. We've talked about, with the kids, I've talked about making, like, a cool curtain that they could uh, pull the curtain across if they wanted to, to have more... Um, quiet time on their own without having someone like, oh, she's looking at me and all that stuff. But they don't have a barrier as of yet. They each have their own box, or not box, like a, it's like a laundry bin, it's a toy bin that they started out with in the big house, and that was part of their process of paring down. We picked their favorite things. So what's your favorite? What do you really want to put in the tiny house and bring with you? And anything that's not your favorite, like, if it fits at the top, we stack, we fill the box as full as possible, and, um, and then anything that wasn't in the box, they might find that it'll be somebody else's favorite when they give it away. And that was that was how we kind of worked through that process. If it's not your favorite, maybe it'll be somebody else's. And um, and so that worked. And they've each got their toys, and they've got bookshelves, and I don't know, all their wall stickies and stuff. So they like their space. Now that we have our own property, though, which is also your question, right? The times we've moved, right? Well, I don't know. I don't remember if that was Michelle's question, but I did want to talk about this lakeside property you have. Yeah, yeah. So we started at a campground. We spent six months at our first campground, and then in the summer we moved to a campground on the lake. And we enjoyed our campground life. That was pretty cool. It was a good place to learn the space and learn, you know, the composting toilet and the wood stove and learn all the things because it's all new. And if we had just been secluded on our own land off-grid and figuring out utilities all at once, it would have been 
a lot more challenging to kind of submerge into all of that. But it was more gradual using the campground space because you have hookups and utilities to start off with as we move forward and into more off-grid, a more off-grid life. But anyways, now that we, um, so we spent a year on our campgrounds, and I always was kind of looking for something land-wise, um, and. Of course, it was the most recent church search because it was the one that was successful. We came up with this one. Um, and this place, what was on it, it's a lakeshore property. And what was on it was a two, it was two RVs. One RV, like where ours is now, right on this really awesome, huge porch over yeah. the lake. Mm-hmm. And then another RV that's, it's not an Airstream. It looks like when it's a Silver Streak. Excuse me. And um, so I was just like, well, if they can have an RV there can I put my tiny house there? And so I, I tried making these phone calls and people didn't really want to answer my questions because it wasn't the land owner. And when we talked about variances and all that stuff, you have to be the land owner to move forward. So it was like, either we walk away from an awesome opportunity because we don't know for sure, or we move forward and just hope it's going to be amazing because it's going to be amazing. Amazing. We just were confident. We just move forward. We, there's not really any other way to do it. And so we pulled their RV off and we put our tiny house on. And so far, we have had an amazing time at our new property, and we love it. And we have had a building inspector guy out, and he just, like, took pictures of the wheels, made sure it was a roadworthy thing, it's licensed and everything. And then the assessor, county assessor came out or sent somebody out or something. And it was kind of funny because they didn't actually have a direct question about the tiny house. They were more concerned about the silver streak. So I was like, really? That's been there for like for sure 30 years. I don't know what, but I'm sure they were just kind of like looking around and trying to figure out what was exactly happening. And I got an email back and they're like, we're all good. That's everything's in the system. And I'm like, this is, this is just crazy amazing. So I, you know, people have questions. How did you do that? Or what are the codes there? And, you know, I don't know. I just don't. I just know that there was an RV there, and now we're here. So and you, we so, can't. so you, 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 are you renting this spot? No, we bought it. Okay, so who had who owned the Silver Streak, and and what was? How did you get them to move? That seems like such a prime piece of location on that lake that I wouldn't want to move my Silver Streak if you ask me. Well, they they left it there, the Silver Streak, because it can't actually move out. Um, it was put in there through the neighboring yard um, to get it to pull in correctly because it's a very steep piece of property, which I think is why a lot of people would not want to. Our realtor thought we were crazy because it was so steep. And we're like, well, I don't care if it's steep. We could put our house here. That's gonna. That's the real reason. And anyways, now there's a shed where the, air, the Silver Streak had entered. They've since built a shed on their property. So this is stuck in there. It's not coming out. So they left their RV, their Silver Streak, and I think there were like a couple that they were retirement age and they've now they're, you know, snowboarding in Texas and they've got their property or something in Texas and they're just moving on from this property and now it's ours and amazing. And so we sold the RV to someone who wanted it on their hunting land and we pulled our tiny house in. It was really hard because it was really steep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a challenge, but, um, it survived. I was just glad that it wasn't in the lake at the end of the day. Mm, yeah. It made it to, to the correct place. And, uh, yeah, that was scary. But it's there, and I don't know. It's awesome. We don't know how we ended up with a silver streak. That's the craziest part. Of, of all the crazy, amazing things that it's worked out, I can't imagine how it worked out. I don't know. I can't explain it. And we get a silver streak. Wow. And we're like, 
wow, this is awesome. We're going to pull the carpet out and put wood floors in it and have like a guest house or something. Very cool. I thought I, I, I might have missed it, but I thought you said that, that someone wanted to put that silver streak on, a hunt, on their hunting property. There's an RV and a, and a silver streak. Oh, I see. Okay. So the RV is what was where the tiny house is now. Got it. So the RV is out. Wow, cool. The tiny house is, yeah. That's really awesome. Right on the porch. I want to circle back to the kids um, and the TV show specifically. Um, as I remember, your son um, didn't like the idea of the tiny house. Did he eventually warm up to it? And uh, um, yep. how were they adjusting? <laughs> how have they adjusted? No, they've always loved it. They've, the, the reality show is not reality. They really pieced together. They were trying really hard to pull some negativity out of Sullivan. Um, my really good example of that is there's a scene that they never put in there, but we worked on for like an hour and a half. We were, okay, the host was asking Sullivan some questions and trying to get him to say like he didn't want to go in the tiny house. Right. And they're skipping rocks and stuff, and nothing was working. They couldn't get him to say that he didn't want to live in the tiny house. So finally the director told him, just say like, whatever this okay so he said so Sullivan if you like if you could live in your big house with all of your toys or your tiny house with none of your toys which one would you pick and Sullivan said tiny house and so it's all fabricated he really has always been looking up looking forward to the tiny house um they love it so much in comparison to the tiny house from my perspective from the big house I'm sorry in the big house you know, there's toys everywhere. There's so much you could do, but they end up kind of, I'm trying to say like, no more screen time, go do something, play with your toys, do something. Like I'm trying to encourage them to do something, but they're just wandering around going like needing to be entertained almost like they need someone to guide that. And in the tiny house, there's more of an, um, like a essence or like an air of creativity. There's, it already kind of provides the, I don't know, the environment of do something. They're never going screen time, screen time. They don't, we don't have a TV. We don't, I don't have the computers not even on Wi-Fi. It's just on my phone. And they're so excited to get out of the house and go outside and build something and play with sticks and rocks and dirt. And I don't know. They're very, they're very, they move forward all the time now. In the, in the tiny house, they're way more creative. And I think it has to do with, um, it's, rather than so many toys, we have more tools and uh, more craft things, and they're they're very available. All there are tons of books everywhere. So wherever you're sitting, you can reach a book. And so if it's quiet and you look around, it's not mischief. <laughs> it's books. Where in the big house, it was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Right. Um, but now it's that they're reading and they're creating something, or they're going outside to just hang out, do nature stuff, and. I don't know. I've just seen some really cool improvement in their imaginations in the tiny house. They're, I don't know, did probably you, more effective the, and creative. How do their friends interact with them with the whole tiny house thing? Oh, kids love the tiny house. All kids love tiny houses. Yeah. Did you know that there was going to be this um, happy outcome with your kids moving from the big house to the tiny house? Um... Well, I didn't really know what to expect other than the only thing we could really do to prepare was to say yes and celebrate a lot. So if it was, can I bring this or can I do this 
I don't know. I don't know. In, prepar- in preparation for the tiny house, like getting rid of toys and stuff, we said yes to as much as we could. And when it was a no on something like a big item, or I can't think of a good example, but it was there was always always a yes that went with it. You know, but when we sacrifice this item, we get a big yes on more adventure and we're going to get to live on a campground. That's like living on vacation and we're going to get to go on more road trips and we'll go to the Y and go swimming all the time. So there's always a way to spin it to yes. Um, And I didn't really know any other way to prepare than just to kind of really celebrate it because any sacrifice that was made had to be on me and Ryan's part. I did not want any the kids to ever feel like they were sacrificing for something that was a family goal. That wouldn't be fair to them to be like, you know, I have to get rid of my toys so mom and dad can pay off their debt. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so um, there, we, we just made sure to never make them feel like this was a hard thing. So anything that was challenging was on me and Ryan. Interesting. And it really wasn't that challenging. But was You just, said it wasn't that challenging? No, just more of like the process of doing the things that need to be done but the challenges like there's challenges with the wood stove we've never run a wood stove before um but that's a whole learning experience we love sitting by the fire now and we were smoked out enough times (laughs) in the (laughs) beginning but um you know it's just it's those are the challenges but it's a fun experience it's we're getting something out of it and it's exciting so very cool so would you what would you say is the most interesting aspect of living in a tiny house that you weren't expecting I guess I have to say things like this. Like, I didn't think anybody would care that we live in a tiny house. I thought the only people I had to win over were my parents and Ryan's parents. And that the second that the first commercial ran on a reality show thing, once it was over, people were going to drop it and not care at all. But I was just really wrong. <laughs> I didn't uh, know that. It's not exactly a living in the tiny house thing, though. Right. But the you, we're not the only ones who've... Are we, are we the only ones who've reached out to you besides the uh, TV <laughs> show? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I imagine you got all kinds of interest, right? Yeah, especially because we're family. But I didn't. I just. I just wasn't prepared for that. I didn't think that would matter. But mm. it. I guess it matters to people. Yeah. But mm. there's. Yeah. There's all kinds of like. I don't know. Interviews and the paper and stuff like that. We have. We have many of our guests who own their tiny houses. I mean, we interview all kinds of people. But mm-hmm. the the people who we've interviewed who have built their tiny house, especially in a specific period of the tiny house. Uh, movement mm. complain about the number of people who just kind of showed up at their doorstep wanting a tour or drive by their house or basically make, okay. the, make, make them feel like they're living in a paparazzi dream or something like that. Have you had that experience? Well, at the campground, you you knew when people were driving through the campground rather than driving through because they knew the tiny house was there. Mm. And um, it's awkward. Like, should I wave at those people? Because <laughs> I can't. Uh, they're obviously pulling out their phones to take pictures of us, but um, either hide or wave. Like, <laughs> duck down out of the window so you're not in the picture, or just plain smile and wave. I don't know. The kids will. The kids notice too. But um, it's. I guess. Yeah, they drive by a lot, and then especially the campground. Sometimes the campers, because they're on vacation, they're just there for the weekend. They're coming through. They kind of sometimes would, would like to get a tour or whatever, and. I usually can't accommodate that. I've got kids and I'm making dinners and we're homeschooling and we're just leaving the house or, you know, I can't just stop everything right. and I'm never too ready. There's no way that people see all these perfect, happy, tiny houses because the people clean up their house before they take a picture. I can't, I, <laughs> I can't just be like, sure, walk in. When you enter a tiny house versus a big house, like if I enter somebody's big house, I don't see like the dirty socks on the floor and there's their sink full of dishes and their bed not made as I step like six inches in the door. You don't see all of those things, but in my house you see all of the things because we're living there. And so, and it's small, it's right in your face. So 
so yeah, I just don't really care to have people in there all the time. But I do like to be welcoming and accommodating to an occasional tour or a lined up, you know, planned out tour day. We've done tour days and stuff like that. That's fun. Um, but it's got to be planned out ahead of time. And people email me a lot asking for a tour, but I just, it's not something I, I can do all the time, especially with the kids this age. If they're maybe at some time I'll be able to accommodate more often, but right now it's like one or two times a year. I can yeah. do a day or a weekend. Have you seen that interest uh, trail off since you've been established and living and comfortable in your place, or has it pretty much stayed the same? Since we moved out to the property, we've, we're just trying to keep the location as private as possible. We realize now that that's not as private as we thought, because on the lake, even the very first snowmobilers on the lake that we ever saw once it turned to ice and you could snowmobile on it, they came right up to our house and stopped and looked at us. I, I was bet. like, oh, <laughs> well, that's now that's where we are. Um, but... But um, I guess trailed off a little, but, you know, I think it really boomed after the Star Tribune in Minneapolis did an article in the home section, and then there was a ton of interest, and now they're going to do another article a year past, so I'm kind of preparing myself for some of that to happen again. Interesting. You should run a speaker day outside underneath, just a big loudspeaker. Yeah. You have 15 oh, yeah. seconds to evacuate the property. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually thought about having, I would like a video camera at the top. Our, like I said, our property is really steep, so our driveway is at the top, yeah. the parking area, and I kind of would like a little security camera where I could kind of see. I can't see very well up there, and I'd like to know if people are, sure. they slow down stuff. And this, if it's different, I, it could be different anyways if it was just myself or myself and my husband, but with the kids there, I really have to have a, a an awareness of what's going on around and who's kind of pulling by and yeah, do protecting you, my family. Cool. Do you still shoot weddings and does your husband still do special ed? I don't shoot weddings now. And that was, yeah, I, I love weddings though. And I love photography, but right now I've really put that down. Uh, I don't know if I'll do it again. Um, but I, I think I have creative, that same creative energy kind of going in other projects right now that are, that are just in the, that's where I am right now. And then Ryan, he was a student, not student, um, special ed teacher. And now he's in administration and he's loving his new job. This is, so he's done with school. He's finished all that. And he's in a place where he's really, really happy and was looking forward to this awesome position. And he loves it. So it's nice. Great. And what, 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 what uh, creative projects are you contemplating? Um, like book writing and speaking now. That's really cool. Um, and always just a creative energy goes into just things like with the kids, what we're experiencing next. And we've been on some road trips and stuff. And so exploring what their interests are going to be creatively and things like that too. That's, yeah, that's where all that's going. How does what you, how does your new, this relatively new living situation, um, let me ask this differently. So the, the, there's a lot of different perspectives on why people get into that tiny house movement. Some of them are about simplicity and, um, the amount of uh, kind of like the uh, aghast experience they have at these McMansions and, you know, people living in these huge houses. What is, w w does your faith come into um, your contemplation of moving into this tiny house? Is there some sort of, of uh, spiritual connection you have with the movement that had you move in this direction? I mean, you said God made, you, or God directed you in this direction. Yeah, I think. Well, I guess to clarify some of that is when, when we were looking, like I said, at our budget, and our mortgage and how we could get rid of our mortgage, we really didn't say, let's sell our house and live in a tiny house. We just said, you know, God is our ultimate provider and he has unlimited resources. So 
and it was a sermon that kind of brought us to this point that we started being like, well, let's just pray for a house. I don't know what in the world, why not pray for it? Who can possibly imagine what that would look like or what would come into fruition if you prayed for a house? But that's what we did. We just decided to just start praying for a house and, and this is what happened. And I think it's kind of funny. People might think, well, you asked for a house and you got like the smallest house you could ever imagine, Kim. Hello. Like, <laughs> um, but I think that was a part of a part of it. Really, God put us in a house on wheels so he could like guide us for real where he wanted us to go. Um, and he knew way more than we did that having less stuff was going to actually um, culminate and be a life of abundance. We are living where we feel like everything's an abundant blessing because we've minimalized what didn't matter. He took away, he stripped away all the things that we did not need and that we, that were causing more stress than, um, than goodness. And, and so when we took away, when he, you know, guided us to get rid of all the things that didn't matter, that were not useful for our lives, it really shined a focus on what was amazing and good and abundant. So we, I like to talk about, family style minimalism, it's not about sacrifice. It's about throwing away what doesn't, it doesn't matter. Are there things that should not even be on your plate? And then it, and then everything else is dessert. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I was just listening and, and taking in what you're saying. It sounds like that, you know, for our listeners, whether you believe in God or not, there's a, there's a, um, epistemological benefit to simplifying your life and it is that you you actually in the simplification you you bump into or you experience this abundance that you're talking about Mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah i mean it's it's funny because it reminds me of oh man but anyway going to uganda in 2007 and seeing people that made two dollars a day that just were loving their lives. Everybody, extraordinarily happy. So people that, under most people's guidelines, would be, you know, living in extreme poverty, but they were happier than most people I ran to on a regular basis in Portland because they weren't encumbered by their junk, their stuff. Mm -hmm. How does your uh, family, your parents, his parents, um, how does your family feel about this process? Um, Has it influenced your relationship with them at all? Um, I think they're really excited now. At first, they were like, okay, you know, just the, we were even hesitating just to tell them that we were planning on this tiny house thing because, you know, you have to discuss it all. And it's, it was at a time when people didn't know what a tiny house was. And even in our culture, people, every time I talked about a tiny house, people, I had to tell them what it was and describe it. And it was about educating what it even was. Now that everybody knows what it is, we're kind of learning that it's okay and, growing to accept it. And so we're on the, we're at the point where we need to grow on more of an, of an acceptance point of view for these minimalist dwellings. And, um, so same thing with my parents and Ryan's parents, but they've reached that point where they're now they're excited. Now they love it. They, they see all the cool things that are happening for the kids and how it's affected our family in such a positive. So they're very accepting of it. And, um, they like to shout it out up, you know, tell all their friends how amazing the tiny house is and everybody wants to know. And they, I know that Ryan's parents, they go on vacation. That's how they start conversations with people is tiny houses. Oh yeah. My, our family lives in a tiny house and then they can learn about, you know, they make connections with people who they're interested in tiny houses and their family's going to build a tiny house. And I don't know, it's all good now. Everybody's really happy about it and excited about how awesome it is. Cause it's awesome. It's interesting because when when Mark and I were contemplating a, a, a different type of small living 
environment enterprise. We were, I was wondering what was going to happen with um, older people who can't, who haven't saved for retirement and can't afford, you know, the the cost of retirement homes and things like that. And Mark had said something like, "It's all going to work out. People find a way." And it sound, it seems as we we interview more people in the tiny house movement that, the, indeed, this is a new way of for people with families or individuals or retirees to figure out, or not even figure out, but to, to encounter a new way of living that, in, that enables an actual higher quality of life than they would have if they stayed in the traditional path. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I think, as I'm thinking about it, both my parents and Ryan's parents, Ryan's parents, over the past, I think, three years, we've been, you know, since we started talking about tiny house living, they've both, both sets of contemplated whether it was something that they were going to do for themselves oh wow um yeah and that's so not their reaction in the beginning in the beginning it was like no you can't do this how could you do this to your kids and how could you how would you ever where are you going to put it and all the questions that are very filled with you know you know doubt and and assuming that it's not going to work all the negative assumptions but um um they've you know now they're they've come around to where they contemplated whether it's something that they should be doing. And I don't think that they'll, I don't, and they don't believe either that they'll do it to the extreme of the, the whole tiny house on wheels setting like we've done, but it has definitely impacted how they live currently. They've, and, and the goals that they have now. Isn't it interesting how, how people, um, no offense to your family, how people, when something, when presented with something new, they're like totally against it, not even really knowing what they're talking about. And then mm-hmm. when it's, when it's starting to become more accepted or it's been in their face for a while, they, and they see the benefit, like what you're getting with your family, they're like, oh, maybe I should do what you're doing. Isn't that interesting? It is so interesting. And that's where I feel our place is in this whole tiny house yeah. community movement thing. Our place right now, I'm not telling people they should do it or shouldn't do it. I'm just, I just want to be the family that says you can do it. We're trying to normalize family style minimalism. So when other people in, that are where we were three years ago telling their families we're going to live in a tiny house and their families are saying you can't do that to your kids and how would you ever and all those questions then they can say well the castles are doing it scroll through their instagram you can see they're normal like we do normal things normal people the only thing that's different is that we don't have like a, the big space to fill up yeah that's all so are you guys gonna do, are you once you've got all that debt paid off what are you gonna do are you gonna stay in the house Oh, I'm sure it's always going to be in our family. I, you know, just like four years ago, I had no idea where we were going to, where we were going to be here. I cannot tell you where we're going to be in four or five, 10 years, you know, but I imagine we'll still be in it or we'll partially be in it. Like the Morrisons, I think they have a few small dwellings. Um, we've already got the air, or not the air, the silver streak there to, to supplement, um, dwelling space and as the kids grow up because they're definitely not going to be able to be squashed in that loft together for for forever um and it's only going to be okay for us to stay in the tiny house as long as everyone kids especially feel welcome safe and at home in their space but once they start like needing more we have to make the adjustments of course and we expect to but i just don't know what they'll be um but yeah i don't think that paying off our debt and and all of that means now we'll spend more on a big house. I don't think that that's, that's not our plan at all. Interesting. 
Well, um, Tim, you've been fasc a fascinating guest. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy day to sit in your car in the Minnesota weather <laughs> to listen to us. I hope you're not too cold by now. I'm just starting to get a little cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, let us say goodbye to our listeners real quick, and then we'll, we'll, have you, we'll, we'll say goodbye to you, too. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was yeah. really... Fun. Yeah. So, Tiny House listener, Tiny House podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week when we have somebody else. <laughs> somebody else. Exactly. Yeah, somebody. Somebody entirely different <laughs> from an entirely different part of the country. You'll be Jewel Pearson. Uh, is that real? Oh, yeah, Jewel Pearson. Okay. Oh, Gypsy yeah. Soul. Gypsy Soul. Soul right? I don't know what yeah. any of that means. Yay! <laughs> okay. Everybody. You're All a good right. company, Kim. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon.